Welcome once again to uh, Swing Thoughts here on TSN 1150. Uh, great to be with you. Our favorite hour of the week talking golf with uh, our fellow golf geeks and nerds. My name's Humble Howard from the Humble and Fred Show, uh, part of the uh, Bell family of radio stations. Uh, of course, weekdays at Funny 820 and online at HumbleandFredRadio.com, along with mental performance coach, webinar host, author, and uh, all-around great guy, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. Tim, welcome, as always. Yes, good morning, sir. How's it, how's it been going? Oh, well, you know, golf is... <laughs> <laughs> you know... Oh, golf, golf, uh... uh. It's episode been a, number fifteen, I think. I, I don't know between you and I and the uh, and in four years, it's every week. It's like which one of us is going through another valley. Uh, this program uh, is brought to you, uh, you uh, brought to us by our good friends at the uh, TaylorMadeGolf.ca, the all new SimMax and SimMax OS irons. Distance you have to feel to believe. It really is quite something. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the new echo dampening. Uh, echo damping system and speed bridge technology, and uh, we have a uh, quite a show for you today. Uh, later on in the second half, um, we're going to have a uh, sort of coach player session uh, with Coach Tim and myself, and I think you'll find it interesting. We're going to want to bring up a couple things that we've talked about on the show before: uh, state management, reframing the context, etc. Uh, but first, uh, it's very exciting to welcome back a uh, very fine uh, individual who uh, is history. Very interesting. You know, was an actor, uh, then changed direction uh, to become one of the leading uh, speakers and educators and coaches in the world of skill acquisition at the Cork Institute of Technology. He holds a Ph.D. in elite athletic skill acquisition and works with all kinds of elite athletes in uh, a variety of sports, including the European Tour. Dr. Ed Collin is here. Dr. Ed, welcome to the program. Uh, what a pleasure to speak to you for the second time this week. Yes. Thanks, Howard, and great to see you again, Tim. Um, I, you know, I, I'm kind of getting sick of seeing Howard, to be honest. So no, it's, I know. It's too much. So I'm we're going to go public Thank today. You. You've been having private discussions, and we're going to go somewhat public today is that is that what's on the plate well part of it i mean listen i we're one of the things that the joys of doing this show is the access to people like dr ed that we've had and and first of all i, I know the answer to this but i hope everything has been well in your in your world during the uh, the pandemic and and your family and you are safe yeah it's been it's been great to be honest um we've been very fortunate we've, we've all come through it on scale that i have an elderly mother and she's 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 well, and and other than that, I think from a coaching perspective, it, it forced me certainly as a coach, but also the, the the players I work for to to just reassess things, to things through a different lens. And I think we've been quite fortunate; some really nice stuff has emerged out of that challenge, and to force us to adapt, which is always good, always nice. So it's been good. I think it's a great um, you know sort of metaphor for. You know, for our golfers listening that, I mean, it kind of puts in perspective the importance of the game uh, versus real life. But a lot of the adaptability, things that human beings have found themselves in the last 120 days or so, being able to adjust, 
You know, I, I was in a grocery store. I don't know what it's like where you are, sir, but, you know, here in Toronto, I'll go to a grocery store. I'm wearing a mask now. I couldn't have imagined that at the end of February where I, I was doing a, a comedy club in Niagara Falls. And, you know, I was in a groom, room full of hundreds of people. And now you can't even imagine it. But it shows how we quickly can adapt. Mm, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it is interesting. You're asking what it's like here. We've we've had very strong leadership from our government here, which makes a huge difference, and it, it reduces confusion with the people. Of course, our, our leader, our, our political leader, and soon to be a former political leader, it's a couple of things going on. But he's he's a medic himself, so he's a he's a he's a he's a doctor who then went into politics. So it's that's had a significant impact on the caliber of of discussion that's been had around COVID-19 in our country, but it also is, it, it also is a real sign of what strong leadership, but also strong communication does for how people can actually engage with something. When you consider our neighbours in England are led by a buffoon, and as a result, oh, we, that, we know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> our name, yeah, our, our we have a neighbour like that too. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's hard because we like some of our closest friends are from are from where we lived in Liverpool before, and they're still in Liverpool, and and they they don't have the same sense of calmness or or confidence in the system that we do, and they deserve just the same level of calmness and confidence, but they don't have it because they're getting mixed messages, they're getting confused messages, they're getting crazy press conferences, they're getting you know backbiting kind of silly stuff during the pandemic mm-hmm. whereas we're not we, we there seems to be there appeared to be a very strong um cohesive message coming from all political parties they were like look we've got to run the wagons here and make sure that the people get get what they deserve and literally just just across the way it's very different and of course as a result the response has been very different there's huge numbers of of, of people who've, who've suffered and, and the like. So, we again, it, it, I see that from a coaching perspective, the importance of being transparent, the importance of being clear in your message, the importance of be, just being honest. Like the, one of the early press conferences we had from our from our political leaders was, we don't know what's going to happen. So can you can you bear with? Yeah. If, you know that honesty buys you a huge amount of credit. So, yeah. so as it. Re- as it relates to golf, adaptability has been a key thing that we've talked to you about through the shows you've, you've been on. As it relates to golf, do you think that people, there's a tendency to be very rigid in their thinking about, this is how I'm supposed to do it. If I follow this model, is that kind of what you're getting at in terms of how golfers get in their own way and kind of get stuck well, yeah, I think I think that's that's a key word. A key word, as you know from our discussion in the past, is adaptability. I think the the more a golfer tries to hold on to something, the the tighter they hold on to it, the less adaptable they are. And I think that's something that even recently, in the last few weeks, when since we've gone back out on the course and our coaching is back up again in preparation for the events that are coming up, it's that sense of it's that sense of being able to be comfortable with what the game. Is is giving you that day? Not yesterday. I shot sixty five. I got it. You know what, what? What did I have yesterday? I've got to hold on to. Well, and I had this certain swing thought and feel, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, well, hang on. Today, it, it's the same course because it's got the same postcode, but so much about it is very different. 
There's a different wind direction today. They didn't cut the greens first thing this morning. We're out ahead of the greenkeepers, or you know. So, so it is a, it is about that letting go. I think that's a huge part of that. I want to briefly run something by you to get your reaction. So, about a week ago, I was on a range just five minutes from my house, and I've been drawing the ball with my driver, and I was not being able to do it, and I was getting frustrated. And then I went, "Oh, maybe today is just a day in which." I'm fading the ball. And I struck me as that actually was pretty good to think about that. How does that fit in with your what you're saying about adaptability? That fits in really nicely because that, that sense of awareness, that sense of self, that's, that's a huge asset for a player to have because you're in that, in that moment in time, Tim, you're, 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 you're making peace with yourself. You're not trying to fight yourself out there. It's a battle you can't win. And I think some of the some of the players that I work for, the better, more consistent players are the players who like to make peace with what it's that day. And now they'll still they'll still work it. They'll they'll they like like that. Geez, I seem to be drawing or fading the ball much easier today or whatever. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to make that maybe the the, the shot shape for today. Where, where needed. Of course, if I got, if I got to move in another direction, I, I will. But as far as my the stock shape, if there is such a thing, well, that's what that's what I'm going to move with today. You know, I'm not going to try and fight it out here. I'm going to try and go with it. You know, um, you know. It's. I was going to say sometimes people who listen to our show um, hear these things we're talking about and go, "Well, how does that relate to me? I'm a 14 handicap." I don't know if I'm fading or if I'm drawing it. I just want to hit it somewhere. But I like what Tim sort of brought up is, you know, whatever's happening to you on the golf course that day takes a certain amount of acceptance and equanimity about what's happening. For a 14 handicap, what are your thoughts around, you know, what they might do in terms of adapting and to be present to whatever's happening in the, in the moment that they're happening? That's a brilliant question because it speaks to a conversation that only this morning with one of the golfers I work for. It, it was, it, I was basically saying it is about being in the moment of where you're at. So for a 14 handicapper, I find they are under sometimes even greater stress and challenge than, than lower handicappers. Why? Because their game is significantly further away from what they see on the TV. So their their calibration is yeah, but I see the I see these guys on the TV doing this. And I'd love to be able to do that. And you're like, that's great, but come on, buddy, you're 14 handicapper. There's a reason you have that 14 handicap because <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's 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 and it's not in a bad way. It's it's to it's it's actually a license for you to maybe even relax a bit more. You 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 actually that 14 handicap tells you you can have 14 bogeys and still play to your handicap. You know, if, you, if you're level par, if you're level par after four holes, you're way ahead of yourself. You right. know, and I think that that should be that should almost. And I think sometimes we 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 misuse our handicap. Right, it should be it, the handicap up. It should give you license to be more relaxed about your game. But unfortunately, fourteen handicappers like four handicappers. They love golf. So what? where do they get most of the golf hit? It's from watching the pros on the TV and listening to the commentators who very often say the things that just are, are going to kill a 14-hand capper, you know? And I think 
I would, I always stress, again, I said it to a guy this morning, I was like, allow where you are at right now, allow that be the place that you're happy with. Now, that doesn't mean you want to get better, that you don't want to get better. Of course you want to get better. But you have a greater likelihood of getting better if you're not trying to fight against something that maybe isn't there just at that time. And I think and I think it's even something we spoke about, Howard, during the week. Yeah. That, that sense of this is where I'm at. I'm not switching off the competitive animal within, but I'm also just going to be better at coping with the outcome of what that competitive animal produced on that this particular shot. I think that's a huge part in allowing the player then to take the moment. Because what happens, especially for a 14 handicapper, let's get let's say they get to the 15 hole and they're only 10 over on this day. And it's like, oh my God, this is a good day. I'm only, you know. And if they can actually just stay in the moment of, well, hang on a second. If I double bogey the next hole, it's not the end of the world. Right. You know, but they don't. They catastrophize too quickly because they, they forget that they're a 14 handicapper. And they all of a sudden start thinking like a four handicapper when you're saying, well, it's okay. I'm going to have good holes and I'm going to have bad holes, as the four handicapper will have, you know. But they seem to be less forgiving of themselves. And yet the license should be that they should be more forgiving of themselves. I think there's there's so much wisdom in that because I think that what often happens is well I have a friend of mine who says I never learned anything on a good day that's the day to pay attention to what's going on as opposed to making this judgment I suck I'll never be any good I I, I want to swing it like Rory but I cannot so how could how do we learn like to me for the fourteen handicappers that that you hit a squirrely shot that's where you really pay attention that's where the sweetness is that's where the learning happens is when you are present to what happened instead of so often happens just snipe one left i've done it you know hit it left and like not look and just oh my god and there's no learning i love that i absolutely love that there is learning in everything but you know what? some beautiful learning in the good shots but we tend to get we we, we almost we're, we we love being critical on the bad shots well why not be why not be? And again, still, it, it's that critical eye, but have that to have that lens on over the good shots to be able to find out what it is that's happening. I I I love that idea. But again, with that idea comes a platform for you to have that approach with all shots, you know, so that we actually bring that balance across. So, oh, it was a lovely shot. What what was I actually doing there? Well, that was actually a time when I was really focused on the target. Yes, and maybe don't and and so maybe there's that connection i was really focused on, or, or really focused on a point in the ball or i was really focused in just reacting to the shot or the theme of the shot i had in my head and so on and so forth and then and the higher up the handicaps we go the less likely they're able to do that on every shot but if they can and i love that team if they can actually go on a deep dive on the good ones they'll actually find something that actually may be repeatable the outcome won't be the same every time, but the process before the action is what will give them every chance of that outcome being as good as it can be. And I think we've talked about this for sure, Tim and I have, but maybe you and I have as well about emotions and how emotions inform memory. And I mean, you know, the idea to have, I think it was Rotella or someone said, you want to have a short memory for the bad shots and a long memory for the good ones. But guys especially are timid 
I say this, men are a bit timid about expressing a, a joyous exultation over a good shot, but man, we love to get mad. And that that imprinting of the energy of anger, and I, I can bring it up pretty easily, as you can tell, that yeah. that, that stays with us. It I, I feel it. And yet, yesterday, I was telling Tim, I played in a very, very windy day. And there was two occasions I hit shots that I literally said to my group, Did you people see this? Because I was, <laughs> I, I was so excited that I pulled that shot off that I, I wanted to feel the emotion of it. I, I, again, I agree. And I think one of the things of, of what you said there about that outward aggression and anger about a bad shot is, is it's, it's, Sometimes most the most dangerous part of that is the remnants of it. Yes. So we may have we may almost be embarrassed about any exultation sometimes. Oh yes, and then oh I, gee, I, I can't believe it. Just, <laughs> yeah, just. yeah. Exactly. However, when we get angry with it, we also we we get angry. We'll show you all I'm not happy with that, and then we'll quieten down. But inside, we keep ripping ourselves apart. And again, speaking one a chat we had during the week that accumulates. Yes. You know, and and rather than you know what. Quieting, quieting it all down, you know. And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying to people I want you to be a, a Buddhist monk out there and so forth. But I'm actually saying, you know, it's about just being in control of it. If there's something that annoys you, well, express it. Oh, that annoys me. But you know what? I've now processed that, and I'm prepared to move on because actually, the longer I let this annoyance in, in me the more it's going to impact the next shot and the more that annoyance is going to keep building and it's just going to be it's going to be ferocious by the time I get to it and all of a sudden you'll find yourself upset that you don't hold a 20 footer and you're like well, hang on you're never hold that 20 footer <laughs> that's right but, no, but, not, but, but now you're finding a reason to get annoyed about everything yeah everything. you know if a, a, a crow calls in the tree and not annoyed at the crow because Quiet, you know, I need something you know? <laughs> I want to vent at something you know and I and I think and I, I agree with you. I think men are just. It's amazing. Uh, there's so much we can learn about the the attachment to our emotions from from what women do. And yet, when we then become emotional, we go way over the top and then bury it, yeah. as opposed to and. Exactly. Well, society says it's society says it's okay to get angry. You know, men men have five emotions: anger, 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 anger. <laughs> At least those are the only ones you're allowed to show. Yeah. You know, without without yeah. feeling like you're weak or you're a dweeb or, or something like that. But yeah. the problem with anger is that the polarity, you let it go, the polarity is sadness and resignation. Yeah. And it happens so often people get angry and then they, they, they get resigned and they lose their focus and then you might as well just go home. Yeah. <laughs> you know And when it speaks to I, I did some absolutely joyous work during COVID-19 lockdown with players, a few players, when we, we did a, a retrospective. We just asked them to go back and, and, and look at times in their lives. Zero to 10 years, 11 to 15, 16 to 20, 21 to 25, and 26 to where you are now, let's say, depending on doing. And go back and just look at some life experiences that you feel may or may not have positively or negatively impacted the kind of golfer you are now or even the person you are now. And the beauty of that process is it, it, it provides a platform for people to be emotional and, to, and for it to be okay to actually go back and be like, whoa, that actually might have been a big deal. Oh, I can't believe I'm actually still thinking about that. Wow, I actually think that is a big part. And for it to be that's kind of a big deal, Ed, and be like, 
that's all right, you know. And for for it to put out there that if it's a big deal for you, it's a big deal, full stop. Not, uh, the, you know, and, and again, men do this a lot. And uh, this isn't a big deal, uh, you know, in comparison to, oh, you know, uh, what, you know, uh, it's, it, this is not a big deal compared to the famine in Africa. And we're like, hang on. We all appreciate that. That's a, that's really tough. But if it's a big deal to you, it's a big deal. Don't mm-hmm. try it against some global phenomenon, you know, because it obviously is a big deal to you. But again, as men, we are diabolical at allowing ourselves to to actually say, actually, I, th- I find this a big deal. And again, so it might be nothing to someone else, but that doesn't matter if it's a big deal for you. Well, you know what? As your coach, it's a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go after it. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna see how it, it impacts. Uh, this well, is just, the uh, that's the voice of Dr. Ed Collin, and we've only got a couple more minutes before we take our break here on TSN. So wrap it up. Let's uh, Tim. Last uh, question to you, and then Ed. I know it's hard for you, but you're only going to have 120 120 seconds to answer. Go. Ed, how did so? Longtime listeners to the show have heard me talk about intention, having an intention that say I'm going to focus on gratitude, being a good partner, being in my routine. How do you think that works in terms of allowing us not to go to those angry places or making decisions that eh, we suck? Why bother? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big one, and that's and look, we've we've spoken before, even Tim, and, and just about the kind of messages you have. I think are things that you can properly build a game around because something like that if I'm a player and I'm hearing about that intention you know what it tells me it helps it, it, it tells me something that this is something that can help me create a theme for the day you know like and I you can control I'm going to be I'm going to be a good partner today and knowing that there's a knock-on effect back to you for that you know that intention and we call these things a subjective and then you might have an objective and then a subjective. well you know what your superobjective that intention could be well, today, I'm, I'm going to be the guy who's just going to support those around me. And it will take away maybe that attention from yourself because you're actually looking to them. You're looking at others. And I love that idea about having an, an intention to drive a, a behavior for a day on the, on the course. I love it. Um, and if you're about to play golf, uh, this show is running Saturday mornings between 11 and 12. And maybe you're listening on the way to the golf course. And, you know, we just invite you to think about an intention today that might not be, I want to shoot my lowest score ever. Or if I'm, I'm going to work on my backswing. And it, it might be, you know, as we've talked about on the show many times, about other, other focused or outwardly focused. And even bringing that to the physical part of the game, Ed, about being focused on a target versus, you know, imploding on your own emotional psychosis. Or is that just me? No, no, it's not. And I like that idea. If someone is listening right now on the way to the course and we're to pick up on that point, that little gem from Tim about what's my intention today. Can you imagine how powerful, and and I'm speaking from experience as a player, but I'm also speaking as experience as a coach and seeing how impactful this has been for players, that if my intention today is I'm going to be accepting of the outcome of every shot. That's my intention. That's all, all I've got to do for be that 68 shots or 88 shots, I'm going to be accepting. If I can finish the round and be thinking, I did really well in accepting the outcome of each shot, there won't be this buildup of internal turmoil. <laughs> <because> you, <laughs> well, I like that idea. Listen, you two, we got to take a break. And, and Dr. Ed, thanks again for your time. I know it was short thanks, notice. Guys. 
Um, and it's funny because Tim sent me a note a day ago. He goes, what's our theme? I go, it's Dr. Ed. We don't need a theme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Listen, we're going to take a quick break here on the radio. This program brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Uh, Swing Thoughts continues. Coach Tim in an actual player coach session when we return on Swing Thoughts, the radio show. It's raining in the park meantime. Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall. Uh, welcome back. What a pleasure to have you along on this uh, weekend. Hopefully you're getting a chance to play golf. Uh, if you're listening to us uh, on the radio, it's TSN 1150. My name's Humble Howard, blah, 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 Humble and Fred Show, whatever. And uh, uh, with me is my good pal. Don't, don't run roughshod over uh, yeah, I'm tired of myself. Uh, with me is uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. He's an author. He's a uh, mental performance coach. He's a fine fellow. He's a hail fellow well met. Uh, blogger, webinar host now. Okay, enough, enough. He does it all, people. Uh, as always, this program, or program, is uh, brought to you by uh, TaylorMade Golf and TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Um, you know, I think by now most people have had a chance to maybe see one of the Sim drivers or the Sim 3 Woods in person. You know, it's weird being out in the golf world now because you can't really can't really touch anyone else's clubs. But people come over to me. They're like, are those the 790s? I go, yeah, they are. Whatever. Uh, they're great the looking. The new 790s. The new 790s. They're great looking clubs. Uh, everyone wants to try the uh, the Sim drivers. Uh, experience lower center of gravity and higher launch. Uh, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn about the V-Steel Soul and multi-material construction. This is true. Yesterday I was on the range, and someone said to me, is that the uh, new uh, Sim driver? I said, yeah. They, and he, he was a good player. I could see him hitting balls. He said, are they uh, much better? And I said, you know, it's funny you ask that. It's the same thing for all techno technological advancements. The forgiveness on your mishits is where I think the biggest leap forward with these drivers and fairway woods are. Because I noticed when I hit the ball in the center of the club, I might get a little extra zip out of it. But I really, I really notice when I feel like I've mishit it and I look up and I see where it is, I'm like, ooh. And people will say, good shot. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> but... Uh, because you know, you don't, but you don't, but you don't say, "Oh, I healed that one." No, ex that's what I mean. I'll look, I'll look at the driver, and I'm like, "I didn't hit it." That's nowhere near the face of the club. And, um, but I, I noticed it's not so much in the distance that it goes when I miss hit it; it's in the the dispersion. Exactly. Have you found that? That's Oh, 100%. That's the lovely part of, of the new technology that just keeps better and better. Is, is that it just helps you on those miss hits, and it keeps it more in play. I mean. Um, we're going to have most of our swings are not going to be optimal, yeah. as it were. But, boy, the, the new technology really helps you take advantage of everything you have. Um, so in my last two rounds at Blue Springs, I've hit par fives in two. 
uh, two rounds in a row. And I'm 63-year-old man. I was going to say, look at you, old guy. Pumping it out there. So it's just kind of like, wow. I mean, every from the miss it and the time you do catch it, whoa. I mean, it's fun stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, part of what I'm going to tell you is uh, part of the story I'm going to drag along for the next little while here is I hit a, uh, now it was downwind. It was a ferocious wind yesterday at our men's night. And I just caught it. Like, forget the miss hits. So I caught this one drive um, on a par five. And uh, I hit uh, hit driver. (laughs) It's a short par five. I'll tell you, it's 470 yards. But I hit driver. And the next club I hit was an eight iron. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, now it was it was 170 something to the flag, but I was like, "What? Where am I? This is a part of the this is a part of the hole I haven't visited for some time." How did uh, I get here? How did I get here? Uh, I will go on to tell you later in this segment uh, how I hit the green in two with an eight iron and walked away with a bogey. So, uh, but that's not TaylorMade's fault. TaylorMadeGolf.ca. You know, we don't spend enough time, I think, sometimes talking about how uh, grateful we are to their support and uh, how lucky we are uh, to use their stuff. Because uh, I saw a picture of you with your new hat. You got some new hats. Oh, yeah. Looking good. Well, there's my buddy, Mike Mertz. That's right. Mertz. uh, And uh, he's a a fine teacher, friend of the show. Uh, And you've been doing some great work with him. Thanks. Yeah, I've really been enjoying it. I worked with them back in the, uh, in, in the uh, I don't know, the old days when you could actually be in a room together on um, TrackMan at Whistlebear. But now we've been outdoors and had, I think, three sessions. Still, you know, staying responsibly distant. Yeah. But it, he's such a good coach in terms of, and I wrote it in a Facebook post today, is that he works with players as individuals, their own flexibility, strength, whatever they have, their way of swinging, and allows them to draw the best parts of themselves and discover their own swing through that, which is a different way of coaching. Most coaches, it's like there's their model. They stamp it on you like an imprint. Follow that model. See yeah. in two weeks. That's not Marcy. And I, I just love where we're going with that. Well, it's very similar to uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had my uh, swing guy and one of my dearest friends, Paul Henrik, on. And, you know, sometimes deciphering what he's trying to tell me is. Uh, oh, yeah. But it, it's like uh, because he speaks in sort of, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't. What's that? Elliptically. Well, he doesn't really talk about like this is. He'll give me some. He won't give me very much specific stuff. He'll just say, you know. Like, this is the shape of shot you need to hit. And he said, by learning to shape it that way, that'll inform your golf swing. And, and you know, sort of as a segue, it brings me to yesterday's round. And, you know, like, my golf score and my golf golf ball hitting ability are still kind of not where I want them. But, you know, I was saying in our segment there with Dr. Ed, you know, there was a couple moments in, in yesterday's round where I was so excited about what happened in terms of my focus and my commitment and my execution 
that I couldn't help myself. Like I was, I was doing it partly facetiously to the guys I was playing with. <laughs> Did you see that? I said at one point, I've got you can play all day and not see anyone hit that shot. Like I was joking around, but of course I was. It, I was. It was from an emotion of like, wow, man, that was pretty cool, and it had yeah. nothing to do with positions and right elbows and and the right hand through impact. It just had everything to do with a, a, one of your tenants, and I believe it too. Is everything to do with I gave my body permission to execute it in an instinctive way. The way I would play ping pong with you or badminton or racquetball or tennis or any sport where I was throwing, uh, you know, hitting something back at you. It felt like that to me. It felt like I didn't have any mental interruption of the execution of my shot, which is, you know, I think whether you're a 14 or a two, that's kind of what we're all looking for. How can I do this instinctively? Yeah, I don't know how to add anything to that. You just nailed it, and I don't know what to add to that. Seriously. Well, you can just, just we can just sit here quietly for the next twenty two minutes then, and just stare at each other. <laughs> well, no, well, what you talked to? So, okay, what you did, what you executed without being caught in a story. Okay, uh, this hasn't been going well, so I need to do this. You weren't caught in that, oh, I hope I hit it to three feet or whatever. Oh, I hope I don't hit it in the gunch. If I don't execute this shot, that means I've confirmed that I totally suck. That's all that self-interfering that goes on. And so when we can be in that place of, okay, body, you got it. You got the keys. You go with this. When we can be in that place, we can really hit the ball well. But, of course, there's times that we're, we're just not. And I have a sense to kind of bring it to the edge. That's where you're at with putting, aren't you? Is that you just, you're trying to give it over to the body to let it go, but something's getting in the way, right? Um, yeah, I was, I, I've written down four or five things to throw at you that I think other people will relate to. And, again, I, I don't know that I... I can't really say for sure this is golf hell part 87, but I think like a lot of people, you know, this game means too much to me sometimes. You know, I I read about it. I think about it. I talk about it. I practice it. You do a podcast about it. I do a podcast about it. The physical motion of, you know, hitting pitch shots when I'm walking my dog is just all part of my everyday, you know, and I... You know, I never take my dog out, even in the back of my building here, for him to do his business without a golf club in my hand. You know, so it obviously, and I love what Ed said, you know, sure, it's not important in the great scheme of the pandemic, but it's important to me. Um, and it's not just putting. I, 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 I was telling Ed earlier in the week, for the last few weeks of golf, I have not left the golf course without being somewhat disappointed and, and what you said that really hit home with me in the first segment, and I, again, a lot of guys will relate to this, is that anger, sure, I know the techniques about, you know, not throwing clubs and blah, 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 but inside I'm still seething, and then that seething gives over to sadness. And, uh, you know, it might be embarrassing to say it, but I felt sad a few times including last night, leaving the golf course. You know, I said to my uh, girlfriend, Rachel, a couple weeks ago, I went to her house to pick her up, and she's like, do you want some lunch? And I said, no, I just want to lay down for a minute. You know, I was like, honest to God, Timmy, I was like, I just, I was so, I was so pissed off that then, then I was so sad, I just needed to nap. 
<laughs> like, like what? I'm a 60 year old man. I have RSPs. I don't need this crap. So that's how I have felt. I'm laughing because it that's so because I'm relating. I am so relating. You know how many times I got in the car and just like, what's the first thing I did? Put my forehead against the steering wheel. <laughs> oh, dude, man. dude! If you'd seen me last night in the parking lot, I literally had my head in my hands, leaning up against the car. Exactly. I needed a moment before I could put my clubs in the trunk. So you could be responsible as a driver. Yeah, and, and I just driving the car. I just didn't know where to put it, you know. And uh, you know, and I know all about reframing. I've written them down: state management, you know, not living up to expectations, ego attachment, and and this feeling of not being able to put in perspective what's happening while it's happening. Um, it isn't until later, upon reflection, I go. You know, that wasn't so bad. I, I'll i explain later in this segment about what I did yesterday and what my intention was. Um, but those are all the emotions that I feel. And I don't mind sharing with them because I have a feeling other people have variations of those themes. So you can pick and choose any of those. Um, but we can run them down. And again, I think a lot of golfers uh, understand that that's, it's universal, these things that we feel. Absolutely, and, and you just nailed it right there, is that everyone who aspires to anything, uh, greatness, mastery, equanimity, all that, goes through these valleys. Because you don't achieve mastery, you don't, you don't transform, basically, to get where we're really going here. You don't transform unless you do experience the valleys, like the shadow of death stuff. That's where the learning is. So what I'm saying is that and that's like we were talking about with Ed is like the 14 handicapper who gets mad. Well, that's the time to pay attention. That's the place to explore is not necessarily the technique. So quite honestly, I'm not sure that there's anything in here for you in terms of like state management, reframing. Those are all kind of techniques, yeah. kind of like tips that we can put on like a jacket. But where the learning is for, for us is in our own experience is our own experience and how we're dealing with the locusts and the pestilence and the, <laughs> all the suffering. Yeah. Because in essence, that's what causes it in is our clinging to there's, it's gotta be better than this. I've got to get this. It's that striving craving for something and we're not getting it. And that persists. So it's, you're right where you need to be, man. I know that's a cliche, but, um, but there's a gift to you in this valley you're in because that's where the learning happens so uh, i want to i, I want to get back to that in a second you know i was i was thinking as you were talking about you know this other thing that i learned how to do and that thing was to fly an airplane i've yeah. flown nearly uh 750 hours in control of various sizes of airplanes in various conditions in various you know valleys of good and bad they're you know never bad enough to hurt myself but not every landing is great but and we say in aviation every landing that you walk away from is a good landing right yeah and, and for some reason i never experienced i've never got out of an airplane that i flew and felt anything but great joy at having done it just the experience of it and and i was 
you know, there are no there are no 14 handicap pilots. You get your license, you're scratch. I got to a plus two because I had an IFR multi-engine license. But you and every day you land a plane, you've shot even par. Now, some of those flights can be rocky at times, but you get the thing on the ground. You're back to you're good. And I would only feel joy. But I can tell you from this thing I've been doing since I was 11 years old, I mostly lately just feel kind of this ennui. You know, this feeling of what do I have to effing do yeah. to get to climb this mountain? Okay, so so I, I totally, well, I, I understand best I can what's going on. So at the end of the day, you feel like, oh, my God, I've done everything. So you're in a, you're a, you are in a story that, me, that, hey, no one works harder than me. I play five days a week. Oh, my God, I've read all these books. I have access to Fred Shoemaker, all these coaches, and still. So there's something like that going on, right? Oh, yeah. And still, I want to punch myself in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Which I actually said out loud yesterday. The guys, I was playing with your buddy Bondi, my buddy, and he said, you want to come for a drink? I said, no, I'm just going to go home and punch myself in the face. Yeah, I played with Ronan last week. He had a round like that, and he said something else about doing something to his face that was quite similar. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Ronan. Um, okay, so let's get to it. So if so, you have the story we all know, and we all go through that story, and it, it, it's part of the how we can deal with it is to understand it's just a story. But what I want to explore is is when you're in the moment when you leave a putt three feet short or you you know whatever is happening because it's around putting right a lot of it's around putting yeah okay so what's the common is there any commonality in terms of the misses or what's going on or is it all over the map um no my speed's pretty good uh it's just inconsistent you know my speed you know the the day before yesterday i you know i didn't really hit it you know it's funny when i don't hit it very well which is kind of you know I, I'm a I don't have very I don't have a lot of horrible days hitting a golf ball so my hitting my my golf game part is usually fairly consistent I hit a lot of fairways a lot of greens I give myself a lot of chances it's usually my 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 happiness or sadness will rise or fall a lot depending on was I able to score that day Got based it. on. Okay. My story is I've always been a good ball striker. I've never had I, my potential would be achieved if I just had a, you know, a, a scratch golfer's short game, including putting. So well, there's my, a story. Yeah, I there's know. A, oh, I know. There's a story. So my my inconsistent, like, you know, I told you about the par five. It's the 17th hole. I've just been grinding through this four club wind to hit the green in two and I four putt and then I three putt the last hole for double and you know, I sort of turn a 75, which under those conditions was even par, oh my God, into yeah. an 80. Now, a lot of people listening go, 80, I would love to shoot 80. Yeah. That's right. But I, to me, it's like I failed somehow in the last 22 minutes of that round. And that's what I took away with me. In my webinars, I tell a story about being two over in my club championship, hitting two shanks and, 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 and me. And finishing at seven eight, the guy goes, "Was it still a good round?" I went, "Wait a sec, under pressure with 125 people watching me, that's not the way I wanted to finish." But that, that's not the point. So what I want to get to, Howard, is 
What so one thing is is that your all your focus right now is on score, and we've talked innumerable times that you can't control score, you can't. So it, it's just a basic. Is one of the things we can look at is is changing the focus to something you can control because yeah. you can't control score. I don't care if you're Rory McIlroy or you know Mrs. Smith who can't break 110. You cannot control score. So. If we can find something else to focus on, uh, things like Dr. Ed talked about, and we've been through this ad infinitum, uh, is finding something else that becomes the focus for the day that is a bigger piece than this tight spotlight of how am I doing. So I want to just press pause on that thought and come back to it. Because here's what I want to explain. I just want to just point out quickly, just be careful yeah. with the P's here. You're getting a little bit... Oh, uh, I'm still doing that. Eh? I don't, okay. I just, yeah, I just pick up. Yeah, now you're now you're up above it. That's perfect. Up above the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. So when you have... When things are going wrong for you on the green, is it that you hit a putt and then hang your head in disgust and look away or throw the club in the air? Like, what happens to your attention? Um, you know, yesterday was a good example. Like I, I didn't get disappointed. I'll talk. To, I'll talk to you about my focus yesterday in a second. But you no, know, I, I, I really didn't have a, a putt that was dis- even though I three putted a couple of times. Again, it's blowing. You know, fifty. So I sort of was able to forgive myself the couple of three putts I had before the four putt three putt finish. Um. I just, you know, I didn't sink anything, but I wasn't in any danger of three-putting. In fact, I had a 60-foot putt, hit it to three feet, knocked it in, moved on. I sank a four- or five-foot putt a couple of times to get up and down. It's just the, I felt this loss at the end that I was sort of dragging with me, and I've had this sort of on-and-off inconsistent feeling the last couple weeks, and part of it, Tim, is just, and I think, again, a lot of people can relate to it. It's it's like there's a book, uh, I think we've, it's called My Usual Game. I think I'm just sick of my usual game. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I can offer you as a, a dude, uh, maybe play a different game. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of going left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. Playing a different game of like, it, and it gets back to, and a lot of times this is what we got to do is go back to why do we play this game? Yep. I mean, one of the reasons why I loved our Father's Day show was that we were connecting to our fathers and the reason we played and showing us, you know, Lou showing you the grip that you still use and all that, those types of things. Those are in the places of, of, of why we play the game and you are getting caught up in you're getting caught up in the same kind of thing as if a sales guy is focused on making his sales quota for the quarter and he's not hitting his numbers and then he starts to go through the stories of it and I'm not doing this not doing this as opposed to say a salesperson why are they doing this because you know in essence they like to help people and they found that their knowledge of say um, you know small engines helps people and so they really get some energy from that and helping them and i think it's the same thing why people play music why they're a vp of finance why they're an hr director there's a there's an underlying values and things that that really give them energy and why they do it and i don't think it's related to the fact that you know if if someone's a cfo and they did 
you know, they didn't keep the labor component of the budget in quarter two where they're supposed to. They're, that their their entire quarter was wiped out in terms of their self satisfaction and mastery. So there's a deeper reason why we do these things that connects with our with our core values uh, to our upbringing and all this, and that's maybe the place to look. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I think, again, a lot of people can relate because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, people will talk about a love-hate relationship, you know, with golf. And and I'm, I'm I think with me, this is going to sound strange, I think I'm happiest or the happiest, some of the happiest golf I have, and this is odd, is is hitting 45-yard pitch shots while my dog is chasing sticks. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, to me, that that just the feeling of a golf club in my hand, getting back to my father, you know, watching him hit chip shots in our backyard almost every night after supper. Like, there's something about just the, you know, the connection to the physicality of it and... Um, and the How about connection to your dad? Yeah, really? and, and the piece of it, you know? Right. And, and I don't feel that in the field sometimes. I do some. I do a large part of the time. And again, I have all the techniques of keeping my eyes on the horizon, and I can, you know, stop melting down. But uh, it, it, I can tell, and I'm, my friend Paul said, I, say, I think you're just tired. And I say, yeah, okay, maybe I am yeah. mentally fatigued. I do get that, but I also think that you've made reference every once in a while to, uh, I think the Buddhists say that life is about suffering. It, it, it is, but you, we make it, we exaggerate and make the suffering worse is by wanting and craving and clinging. Okay, we're going to continue We're going to continue this if you've got time at, at I was going to say, HumbleAndFredRadio.com Swing Thoughts uh, on TSN 1150. We'll be back next week. Brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca OConnorGolf.ca or HumbleAndFredRadio.com and more if you check out our podcast on uh, iTunes. A man is blowing Dixie Double fall time Hey, man, that was great. Um, we're continuing our little podcast. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the, you know, I was going to say people, mics are different every time. It's like your body, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I did some meditation yesterday morning and I've been talking about this with my girl, Rachel, you know, because she's got a high degree of uh intelligence around self-awareness and self-actualization and you know she doesn't really she relates to golf only that she likes to hit balls with me on a range and uh so i decided before i played yesterday i said okay what can i control like i'm my own swing i'm my own mental coach i i mean i said to her at one point i said if i were talking to me and i was coach tim or coach howard you know here's what i would say and it was about trying to focus on something else yesterday beyond the score and and i knew it was going to be a tough day wind wise and i'm like okay cool so what can i have i have a little notebook i carry with me and i wrote down focus commitment breath and letting go and i said to myself okay for i'll, I'll play a fun little game today and i'm going to score myself on those criteria at the end of every hole and i and i said now so focus is you know, am I here now? Am I focused on this shot? Have I, you know, forget talking and joking around. I'm now around my ball. Henrik has a great expression. He goes, be slow around the golf ball. I love that. 
slow yourself down. And I would say this to other people. Again, if you're a 14 handicap and you're rushing from the cart to the ball, and just slow yourself down. So I had, okay, number one was focus. I'm here over this shot. What do I want to do? And once I decided what I want to do, I said, okay, let's commit to that. No other, you know, I'm not going back for a seven iron now. I'm going to focus. I'm committing to that shot. And then I did my cleansing breath, which I had kind of gotten out of the habit. So I took a nice, you know, yoga breath uh, in my uh, diaphragm and I let it go. I, I let the breath out and then I got over the ball and I let it go. And that's how I scored myself for 16, 17 and a half holes. And so I was kind of going along and it was fine. I had good shots. I had bad shots. And at the end of the hole, I'd give myself a score based on those criteria out of 10. And I had lots of sevens, a few eights, a six or so, a couple sixes, and a nine. And I was always in that kind of seven to nine score. And I was like, it didn't, it didn't matter what I got in the hole, whether it was par, birdie, or bogey. And then the four putt happened. And it just, and I said to Rachel when I got home, I said, like, it just, the, the, it was that electric shock. It was like, and because the, the fourth, the third putt that I missed was about a foot and a half, yeah, two feet. And I didn't focus. I wasn't ready. I wasn't committed. Yeah. I didn't breathe. I just got up and hit it. Cause I, you know why? Because I was oh, fucking, yeah. I was pissed off. I totally get it. I was yep. pissed off. I hit that green in two, and I was about to make a, a par. Story. But, yeah. Right You're caught in the story. You're but, caught in the effing story. But I'll tell you, par is better than six because... I made six, go to the next, the, the 18th hole, and for the first time that day, yesterday, I flare push a drive. I'm in some crap. I have to play safe. I hit it just short of the green. I'm like 20 feet maybe from the flag, but I'm on the fringe, and I three-putt that. So that's why I had my head in my hands at my car because I was like, God damn it. Because of exactly. the four hours and 20 minutes, four hours of it, was all focus, commitment, breath, and letting go. And I was really tickled. I didn't care what my score would have been. If I finish, you know, two putt, two putt, I shoot 76 or 77. And again, not a great score, but for the day, a great, uh, but the overall takeaway was I was, I was focused on something other than what the numbers were. But as soon as I four putted, it just brought everything with me. And I was, uh, I was all sad howie again. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. And, yeah. and uh, if we have time, maybe I'll t tell uh, Dave Lush's uh, four-putt joke. Um, I play I play with Lush recently. He's quite a character. Oh, he is. He's a, <laughs> he's a character. Absolutely is. He's a pretty good joke teller. He, uh, maybe, maybe later I'll tell the four-putt joke, which I've told once before. But anyways, so I think have a sense of what you're going and almost said the word it's there's a lot of thinking going on Howard there's a lot of thinking of okay I'm going to do these four things I'm going to judge myself on them and that's all what good players do they're self-aware they judge themselves on solid criteria they they their they, process goals not outcome goals all that stuff all that good data so my sense is and that I don't know if you've talked to Ed about this or not but your head is full of all this stuff you do a podcast in which we talk to all these amazing people, and it adds to your knowledge. Yeah. But knowledge doesn't transfer into, into higher level of awareness. And what I mean by that is the awareness accumulates in your body through your experience. So what I'm, what I'm saying is that 
is there a way for you, Howard, to not be thinking all the time, not to be analyzing and getting caught, you know, in your story is rather it's just being just being present to your experience, almost approaching it. And you've heard this from coach Fred Shoemaker, too, is what if you just approached it as being curious, being an interested observer of what's going on? as opposed to trying to bring this long list of things you're going to do. You said to me, one of the things that just just kind of jumped out at me is that you listed four things you were focusing on. Wow, I could barely focus on one thing in a round, and you had four going. What if it was like nothing? You had, I think you had commitment, uh, focus. What were the four things? You wrote them down. Um, focus, commitment, breath, and letting go. Okay, so you were you were and you were scoring yourself on those four things on each hole. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. I mean, I I didn't make that up. I got that from one of the other people we've had on the show a million times. But you know, I, I of course, yeah. I mean, I was I was doing it so that I could get away from the fact that I was about to you know rage toss a six iron. You know, <laughs> it's a, exactly. I was literally but, I was trying to do a, an intervention on myself. Again, but you if you come back to if you come back to when you are in flow in the zone as we call it yeah. say in in on stand up again you I think the parallels are are work because you've done we talked about earlier before the show started about working through the material over and over again you get comfortable with it well I would say the same thing happens in, in with a golfer who like how like how many rounds do you play a year uh, not that many. I mean, I'm not in the hundreds anymore, but like, you know, some good number of rounds a year. It's it's the number of golf days that I have. It's endless, you know. Okay, all right. So, okay, you don't you haven't forgotten how to swing a golf club and your your putting stroke is 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 fine. You know, and like everything you have is 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 scratch level to plus level. But what is happening, I really think is just the, you are just applying and and I have to close my window here. This is what I'm doing because the the nice people picking up the recycling are coming by. Well, look at you! You've got a, uh, you've got a putter that you use to close your window. If you're not a, a golf, you are such a golf nerd. <laughs> and it's a tailor-made putter. I lo- of course it is. I had that putter. I love that putter. Maybe that's what. I'm boring your putter. Yeah, this is t- this is the Mullen. I know, I know, I know which one it is. Notice, notice the weights at the heel and toe yes, to help with offsider hits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, hey, listen. I hear what you're saying, and, and I'm, and, and even though you think that's a laundry list, at least what it gave me is a criteria, right? But just let me stop you there. Yes, it's a criteria. So it's in, that is about thinking. That's about using your noggin, intellectualizing what is in fact something that you do is an athletic pursuit. That you're saying so, it's innate. I do that innately, so I should just let it happen. And yeah, and be just be present to that experience. That's why I was asking you when you hit a putt off line. What are you doing? Are you looking away and going, "Oh shit," or are you going like, "Oh, what just happened there?" So if I kind of wind the tape back and make another stroke, oh, what happened there? Oh, you know, I probably was focused on say hitting the ball rather than hitting to the target, or maybe I maybe I rushed it or something. But I don't even have a sense of you know what's happening to you because you're in your head. You're thinking, thinking, thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, on uh, I'm trying to think. On the first three putt, it was uh, I was a short one. I was like 20 feet, but I 
you know, I didn't realize until after I putted the first one, and it was unusual because my weight's been pretty good lately. But I, I putted the, I putted the first putt like six feet by, and I was kind of surprised because I made the stroke I wanted to. I didn't, you know, hit it any harder than I intended to, and yet I, I, I hit it six feet by. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize how I hadn't had that putt. I was like, oh, I didn't realize how downhill that was. I didn't, it didn't affect me. And in fact, I, I lipped out on the comeback putt. And uh, just walked away, and it didn't. I had no, like it didn't get any goo on me, <laughs> you know. And even and the second time I three putted, same thing. I thought I hit a very nice putt. I hit it to about three and a half, four feet, but it was a bit of a, you know, it was a tough putt. It was it it broke a lot, and again I lipped it out. So I walked away thinking, oh, you know. I didn't have any bad thoughts, really. I was kind of like, oh, that's too bad. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a tough putt to read. And, again, I wasn't a straight-in four-footer. Along the way, as I said, I sank a couple of nice-sized four- and five-foot putts to get up and down for par. And, you know, I was kind of going along. And, and if it wasn't for the last 22 minutes, uh, I don't know that I'd even be having this conversation. I get it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing is that... So while you talked about having uh, some detachment from the three putts, the four putt, there there's something happened on you on that third putt you were going to make, which would have been a par, which kind of probably wouldn't. But something happened that you were angry. That's where the learning is, is being able to be in that moment next time and being able to go, oh, I see what's happening here. I walked up, I didn't focus, I didn't take my time, or whatever it was. That's the learning piece there. That's what I mean about the learning happens in the dark times when we're about to say the mean thing to our partner or to, you know, punch our computer or something, or punch our computer or something. Is that's what happens. Is it's in that it's in that moment. And that's where the rubber reaches the road, man. So the next time you're in you so if you could somehow take that learning from that experience so it wasn't that 22 minutes, quite frankly. I think it was in about those three seconds that you missed that second putt, and now you went up to the third putt, and that's why we're having this conversation. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. As I, uh, you know, once I, you know, stopped, <laughs> once I had taken my head out of my hands, I, I, I know looking back on it that, you know, I missed that two foot putt for par because I was still pissed that I was going to three putt you know I'm walking up to the green after going driver eight iron on a par five and even and my first putt was a good putt it was again sorry I'm just jumping on this, I, I this know. story I know driver eight iron to a par five holy crap no I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you just listen let yeah. me finish I'm saying so I sorry. over the three over the two foot putt I was thinking I'm sure that somewhere I don't think I was being overt about it, but I'm sure part of my sense was that. So I didn't give the third putt, you know, it might have, I don't even know if it was two feet, but I didn't give it any other attention other than I'm just going to go up and tap it in. And I know from having done that in tournaments, and I know from having done it, you know, before that that's why you miss that. It's not a tough two foot putt. You miss it because you're not there. I'm still exactly. walking up to the green thinking, great, I'll two-putt for birdie, finish with a four, whatever, whatever, right? Great day. Um, and it, and it, it, it electrocuted me. It was like, ah, oh. you know, it's like, ah, what just happened? 
Um, totally. But getting back to where the learning is, you know, it was a great reminder that, you know, when you're not present, when you're not going well, this is where I am. You know, I'm going to give this putt the same attention I gave the eagle putt because that was sexy. And that's the weird thing was my eagle putt wasn't seven feet by. It was pin high to the, you know, but at the prompt pin high, uh, it broke a, a way I didn't expect it. You know, we've all done this. I thought it was a right to left putt. It was a left to right putt. So I hit it down the right hand side and it broke right. So I had a tricky four and a half, five foot putt, but pin high. Had it been on the other side, it would have been a pretty standard like up the hill, whatever. But so that was the first thing. I was a little bit fooled by it. And I thought I hit a good putt for birdie, but I missed the birdie putt. And that's where, as you say, that's where it kind of became a dark, gelatinous mass. <laughs> it was, it was like it. a living, breathing organism of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Two, two communications professionals, very articulate, a... A gelatinous ball of shit. I've just condensed a bunch of things. Well, but it here, is. It's I, like everyone knows what that feeling's like. It's like, uh, now there's a big dirty poo on the green. <laughs> uh, well, here's here's where I, I think we can relate to it as well. Like you survived being a father to two women who used to be teenagers. Yes. I survived being the father of two young men who used to be teenagers somehow we escaped without with having maintained good relationships with them so we're fortunate but there were moments when they were that age in which i was ready to tear their effing head off and tell us fuck you mm -hmm. and where and go back where you came from or something that's <laughs> funny and but I didn't because I had the awareness in that moment not to say it because if I did say f you, you're kissing goodbye the relationship you've created damage that you will never undo. So had the awareness in that moment like oh I want to say this, but I didn't. And it's that's what I mean. So the parallel I'm making is that it's in those moments where we most want to escape, make this stuff stop get the hell out of here you know when you had that you had that two footer for uh for par for, for the par there and you're suddenly we're back into old programming we're back into all the old bullshit we're all that in the in the stormy seas mm -hmm. we're not aware of what's going on that's where we need our awareness uh, and i i i well, thank you for that, because it's absolutely true. I just thought, you know, if I had been all over the hole and pitched up to two feet to save my par, I absolutely would have made that putt. Because because of the story, um, I didn't. Because the story was rolling around in my head. Um, you know, the previous hole, I hit a shot I loved, but I just I missed the green. It was, you know, I it didn't hit the shot. I, I, it didn't turn out well, but I hit the shot I wanted to hit. So I was like, good. That was cool. Even though I was off the green, I had to pitch up, hit it to four feet, made the putt. Um, it's funny how, and again, this is the takeaway for everyone, that when you look at what gives you energy and what takes away energy, it's always... You know, are you here now? Are you present? Are you on 
Like if you could transport me now back to that two foot putt for par and maybe have me walk away, take a breath, go, well, okay, champ, let's uh, let's clean this mess up and get on or whatever the whatever it was, as opposed to walking up and hitting it quickly or without, you know, I, I thought I was, but I wasn't, you know, I was I was pissed. Exactly. Yep. Which is the same as, you know, to your partner or someone you really care about and say, you know, I don't care, but I'm just going to let let it go. I'm just going to yell my fucking head off at you. And that's the choice. That's the choice point. And that's and that's what life is about. I mean, it sounds very dramatic, but it's, no. about, it's about being responsible, being responsible to the person that you want to be and making the making those choices. And it. It's in the choice, and and it's in those moments of 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 extremes that it most counts. Whether it's putting for par or dealing with a, a really something really serious. Well, I can tell you that um, I appreciate your counsel. I knew you'd love this. I knew. I was like, I was writing down the notes before the show. I'm like, oh, he's gonna love this. He's gonna. This will be all. This he loves like this like you on a steak. You're like. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> um, oh, that's funny. Do, do I have time to tell my four putt joke? Yeah, please. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to I'm going to have you tell your four putt joke over the uh, sounds of a very famous oh. um, piano piece that I recommend to everyone that you listen to this. Um, it's by a guy named Bill Evans. 1959, he recorded this. And uh, my buddy Lumby turned me on to this uh, song, and he uses it as an analogy for what we've gone through with the pandemic, is that, you know, there was peace, then chaos, and then a return to peace. But I, I also think it's as a place for golfers because it sort of describes a lot of the rounds we play. There are moments of peace, and there are moments of turmoil, but at the end... You know, what do you take away from it is overall, was it a good day or was it a, are you making it a bad day because of your attachments? Yeah. And just an amazing pianist. He did some stuff with, uh, he played a few Miles Davis albums. Yeah, that's right. Um, he was my, he was a piano, he, he played piano in the, in the Miles Davis combos. Yeah. And he played in, uh, there's, I think one of his best albums, it's, uh, I think live at Greenwich Village. Yeah. And it's interesting is he gives, there's two takes of each song. From different sets, so it's a very interesting album that, and they're the key nuggets from his repertoire. Well, you'll love this as a background to your four putt story, and then uh, I'll just let some of it play out. Okay. Well, Janice was thinking that she and David weren't really connecting that well, so she thought, you know what? She said to David, "You know that little spot where we have rest, have dinner off, and just we've had such great times." What do you say we go there and have dinner? I said, okay. So they go and have dinner at that lovely spot they go to. Unfortunately, it's much of the same. He's staring at the window. There's not much to say. They feel awkward. And she's going, gosh, where's the connection? Where's the color in our, in our relationship? What's happened to this? And they both kind of look at each other and she goes, you know what? I think we can still save this evening. Why don't we go to that little piano bar? again that we've gone to and we love we've had so many good times so they go to the lovely piano bar and they get a drink and they look at each other and it's still more stony silence don't know what to think he's looking you know at the floor looking around and <laughs> so they go home and you know they get into bed and 
They roll their opposite ways, and she starts writing in her diary. Oh, maybe it's over. I don't connect anymore with David. I just don't know what's going on anymore. David writes in his journal, a four, a fucking four putt. (laughs) All right, we'll see you all next time. 